Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. Did you know there is an easy way to help support the podcast and keep the show going? Buy Me a Coffee is an incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk and keep blocktalk going strong like a cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram at michaelblocktalk, on Twitter at blocktalknyc, and visit theaterthenow.com for this news, reviews, and interviews. It was one of the highest rated episodes and untucked in franchise history. So what made it so good? Kink chats, identity reveals, and fart jokes. The new Holy Trinity. It's time to talk all things Drag Race 14 with my extra special guest. Who knows a thing or two about making things a little camp? It's Xenon TV. Hello. Hey, howdy. Hello. It's good to see you again. I know. It's good to see you. Um, you're on location at, well, let me see if I can, the coffee company. Um, it is called Michael, the coffee company. It's a new Me? It's a Mike store? Yes, M-I- but it's called M-I-K-E-L. That's not me. Okay, well, I was going to see if I can get some cross-promotion uh, sponsorship. That's fine. I'll, we'll find another place named Michael's. Um, yes. Welcome. Well, well, welcome to the show. How have you Very been? excited to be back. How, how have you been enjoying season 14, seven episodes in so far? Honestly, I love it. It brings me back to uh, the season when I first moved here to New York because I knew Evie. Um, And so like watching someone you know there, but for me, I love this episode even more or the season even more because like Willow Pill and I started drag in Denver at the same time. Like we were both in like a baby drag show together. So like I've seen her grow and like become Willow Pill everyone season loves. Yeah, I mean Rue has used some very, very particular words when describing Willow. Very specific. And it's really awesome to be able to see that and also see like her drag kind of like get expanded and celebrated. Uh, I had Absolutely. a show in Denver called Weirdo, which was a competition show. And it, um, I wouldn't say that they gave birth to the alt scene in um, Denver because like it's always been there. There's been a lot of other entertainers. And for me, like my altness was just wanting to be able to do Broadway. Um, but that alt, because, you know, Denver is like a boom, clackety clack, like death drop scene. Sure. And so, to be able to do the stuff that I wanted to do, and uh, we did. And so, like, Willow was a competitor, Willow was one of the monthly winners of the show. Uh, and now seeing her like her toaster number from the very first episode is absolutely something that she would have done on the Willow stage. So, like, having it get that national spotlight was really cool. Awesome. Well, I'm sure we're going to get to talk about Willow quite a bit about in this episode. But before that, we got some drag news of the week to share. The new cast of 12 of the upcoming Drag Race Spawn U2 has been revealed. Um, have you gotten a chance to look at the cast? Um, anyone stand out? Anyone you know? Um, also, listeners, I know this is easily by far one of the worst um, promo shoots ever. 
the color scheme did not help anybody. Oh my god, no. it's terrible. It did it. Um, I'm really excited. I so truthfully, I didn't watch the first one, but as I was going through and looking, because like the feed came across, and the number one person that pops out to me is Onyx. Yeah. Um, I think that it's going to be interesting to see if Onyx is going to be um, presented similar to like Cherry Taste on um, UK3, or because you can tell that there's a lot of like that feminine beauty and ideal in Onyx, but yeah. they just push it to the extreme. So I'm excited to yeah, see. Yeah, Onyx. Onyx is very similar to season one's uh, Hugasio Cohente, um, who was very much the artist and was like i'm doing my own thing if you don't like it go go fuck yourself and every week it was a, a, literally a walking pr- piece of art um when it came to the challenges not the best so we'll see we'll, we, we we shall see i'm excited um my goal is once again to have um spanish-speaking drag artists to be uh, my recappers each week so i'm i think i'm gonna be able to accomplish that again i'm very excited Perfect. Because listen, I need I need someone who knows Spanish who can tell me, am I interpreting things wrong or is the Google Translate on the bottom of the screen like really wrong? Because we've had that issue before. Because um, I'll say something and someone's like, no, that's not what they meant. I was like, but that is what World of Wonder told me. So I got to base it on what World of Wonder told me. So we'll find out. We'll find out. I love that. <laughs> All right. Let us dive in. It is after the elimination. Jasmine walks in saying that was easy. She did what she says she was going to do. And she wasn't lying. Jasmine doesn't feel bad, even though they had a moment. And we're going to get a reminder via the flashback of that fight. It was a lot. It was a lot of things going on at once. Um... Jasmine says she needed a lip sync as she feels her best was is when she is performing. And Daya does tell her that she killed it and it was so hot. She talked a big game and the girls were like, holy shit, she can do it. Um, are you familiar with the work of Miss Jasmine Kennedy in New York City? Uh, yes, I am. I um, saw her at the queue a couple times, but I also... Uh, as I was kind of hanging out with Wendy Wexwood and the folks all the way down in Paradise, I would see Jasmine Kennedy. And so um, I am very excited to see her on. And I love that she is definitely bringing her own peculiar part of drag. That's like yeah. pageant, part, I don't know, dancing. Part, but like, part New York it's, City. It's amazing. Part, yeah, that's, she's very much a New York City drag queen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Camden was excited to be in the top the week prior and not winning has put even more of a fire under her ass. But the girls are going to congratulate Georges, whom did make her mark. And then Daya congrats her for the sexiest napkin she's ever seen. Here we go again. Holy shit. Daya Uh. still shares that she doesn't believe Georges should have been in the top and seeing her get all the praise makes it feel like a slap in the face. She is still not happy about being safe and laments about you know making everything she's sorry for the girls who glued stuff to their bodysuits, but she feels like she did a lot compared to the other people namely georges uh in conventional georges reads dia by saying that the judges would have read her for wearing the same makeup as the week prior and the yellow part was wrinkled steamed those bed sheets i mean she's not wrong but i mean diabetic did have a better one in my opinion yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the Diabetes look was great, but like at the end of the day, the judges don't sit back and look at the process of what it does. Right. Like if this was RuPaul's process race, things would be a lot different, yeah. right? And like, I know that they make judges based on what is out there on that runway and that's it. Yeah. 
like exactly. they make judgments based on what they see. And Absolutely. so in order to like when you look at everything in terms of like cohesive look, like George's look the previous week was pretty stellar. And yeah. like it was very unique, especially to her. And it definitely checked off some things of what um it checked off some things of what RuPaul's like to see. I agree. And I think well, um, diabetes looks still kind of like solidified them being like, oh, I'm just with this drag daughter. Look at me do this. Absolutely. Well, Di is going to put on her glasses as she is now 100% focused. Also, that should be her merch. I don't know why she is not um, branded it yet. Like, those are fun. I want to wear them. Well, Diane knows that Georges is irritated with her as she's not getting the praises she thinks she deserves, but she got $5,000 and a big congratulations from RuPaul. So, like, why do you need it from Diane? She's not wrong. Not wrong at all. Georges, though, is annoyed because it's making her feel like she didn't work as hard, and she does claim she put her all into the work. She's going to look. She's going to do her. She came here to win. Y'all mad? Do better, as she says. Now, Jasmine's going to tell us she doesn't think Daya should have been in the top. She wants her to step it up and stop being a sour person, stop giving Crystal method. I mean, that's a slap in the face a little bit, but I love that we're now going to lighten up the mood in the room. So thank you to Camden for putting on Daya's wig and saying, I made a garment from scratch. She's funny. I adore her. Lady Camden is my pick to win she was my preseason pick, so if she wins, y'all... Was she really your preseason pick? Oh, yes! I, I, I got to meet her very, very briefly uh, at DragCon 2019, 2018. I'm not sure which one. Um, and I've always just admired her work. Um, and it's like, you're, you're kind of special. You're fun. So I, I, I've had my eye on her. She She's what I enjoy out of a drag queen. And we'll get to it, because um, there's, a, there's one way to my heart, and she pulled it off this week. But we'll get to it. We'll get there. Is that mustaches? <laughs> after, no, not mustaches, but close to it. Uh, after the last challenge, Georgia says Daya was making her feel like she didn't deserve the win, but today she don't give a damn. She's going to build on that. Daya wants to take the time to apologize to Georgia as her complaining she wasn't in the top overshadowing her and her whim. Georgia says it was frustrating, but she says she did work hard on her outfit. Daya states that she genuinely loves and cares about Georges as a friend. So as a friend, she says, congratulations, AKA as a competitor, she says, eat shit. Um, I was like, you are, you are very particular with words, Daya Betty. Well, Daya hopes she can accept her apology and tells her that she loves her and is proud of her. And Jasmine believes that apology is faker than her breastplate. She's not wrong. She's very spicy. Now I have a question. Can you really start to quote unquote love someone on a show like this in such a short amount of time? Were you feeling, you know, that love on Camp Wanakiki like day one, day two? And like, were you being like, oh my God, I love this person? What does love mean on a reality show? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think that it is possible because, like, so for me, it was like the ones that were in proximity to me. So, like, Debbie Fox was right next to me, and like, we like kikied like immediately and we started bonding together, and it was amazing. And I get to go see her in Chicago in a couple weeks, and I cannot wait for it. But when it comes to like, um, it really just depends on like the experiences that you have, and I think it's also very easy to create not hatred but like disdain for other entertainers too and i think that a lot of times that comes from jealousy um which is really interesting so like 
I think love, especially in a competition, can come from a place of like, well, I already think I'm better than you, so I just, I love you. Or there's like, oh, my drag is so similar to yours, or you so inspire me. Um, it really just kind of depends on the extenuating circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the alarm sounds and Rue's message features many soap opera references, and I wonder what is about to happen. In order to make it to the winner circle, they have to put the pedal to the metal in the new drag race drama, The Daytona Wins. Now listen, this was a very good deflector doing the race reference before announcing the title. Then the big surprise that comes later on was brilliant because it went straight over all of our heads uh, because we're focused on, you know, the race in Daytona. That's what we heard. That's what we saw. 100%. And then we didn't think about the wind part. Funny, funny. It, it's called it good writing. Me, it got good me writing. good. It got me good. So this sizzling soap opera centers around three drag race dynasties, the Davenports, the O'Hara's, and the Michaels. Now, are we to believe that Cameron Michaels and Little Kenya Michaels are related? Are they separated at birth? What is, are they really a dynasty, the Michaels? I think, so I'm technically a Michaels, but oh, oh, okay. it's M-Y-K-E-L-S is how my drag mom spells, and it comes from the Texas Michaels. Um, all, like, so like Rachel Michaels is like the like far out person, but I'm also a minge, so like it really just, it, it, I think there's different ideas of dynasties in terms of like who it is, and it just depends on how it spells the last name. So I think that they are actually dynasties, and I would right. say that. All right. Hampton Do you went think to that New York school. has any dynasties? We're going to pass on my question. <laughs> no, there is there is a dynasty. Um, uh, Miss Keisha Carr, that is a dynasty. Um, her, her family is quite, quite um, prolific. Um, okay. I would say that Keisha has definitely a dynasty going. Um, we'll leave it at that for now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Camden went to acting school, so no pressure, but pressure as they will be filming their scene with one of the most demanding directors working in Hollywood today, that son of a bitch, RuPaul. Cool. They all cheered, and I was like, that's because you, you were told to cheer, not because you really are excited that RuPaul's As the winner of the Master Challenge, Georges will cast the soap opera, and I can't wait to see how this turns out. She hands out the scripts to all the hoes, and they are thick th scripts. Those are those. That's that's a lot of acting to do. It is. It was. And they were looking through, and they were like, "Oh, what? What is all this?" <laughs> this is this. this is the war and peace of Drag Race. <laughs> Literally. Dias for thought is, "Oh shit!" Georges gets to hand out the rolls, and Georges is just very not good at speaking. I adore her. Pretty to look at. Bad with words. She's very bad with words. Very bad. After repetition and mumbling, she ultimately says that she doesn't want to give them fucked up parts, so if they have a part they want, they will talk about it. If they fail, it's all on them. Very diplomatic. I'm here for that. Um, that's how things should work. Unless you are um, in a place in the competition where you know you have to screw people, let it work out. Let, let the show be good. There are a lot of words. Some of the girls are freaking out, but the strongest roles will be the mothers as they have the most lines, but the roles with the little parts are going to be the ones where you can go crazy. Was there a role that you would have picked? Ooh, was there a role that I would have picked? Uh, I was just thinking that, yes, I would have picked Deja Sky's role, and I think that I would have done such a better job. <laughs> I was like, I, I kind of think that Deja should have actually been at the bottom. Like, 
Oh, I, if there was a bottom, she was going home. Oh, I yeah, I fully agree with you. Um, I yeah, I was she like I think that I would have overacted it so much better. And like yeah, there's me. I'm just humiliated because I come from that acting background, and that's the stuff that I want to do. Yeah. yeah. Jasmine wants Hattie Ruth O'Hara as she is the meddlesome sister town gossip, and she talks a lot. So yeah, a very fitting role. Very fitting role. Even though. She's the oldest bitch. Deja wants to play Sierra Michaels, and Georges is like, psych, that's the role I want back to the drawing board, Deja. So she's going to be down for Maggie. Bosco wants to put down for Fancy. Uh, here's your one chance, Fancy. Just don't let me down. She's a glamorous older woman. So Carrie is claiming the bride, Deandra, the daughter of the richest girl in Daytona. It's very her. Angeria will tell Willow that she should be one of the Spring Break sisters. Daya will say it would be funny if one of the Spring Break girls was tall and the other was little. So it's Daya and Willow. Perfect. Meanwhile, Cameron is like, wait, I'm still on page one. What are you doing? I'm still dis dissecting the script. So she's left with the role of Leona. She's down with it. She just hopes it's a good role because she hasn't got to that part yet. When you read a script, are you a fast reader or are you like, I have to read it and understand it before I decide? I like to read. Okay, so first of all, I will go through and like highlight all the things once yeah. I know like what part it is and then I'll go through. And so like I am a quick scanner in terms of like when their name pop-ups, but I don't read the yeah. script. But then afterwards I will go through and really break the Well, is everyone happy with their roles? Apparently so. Lady Camden and Nigeria will get to kiss in the script, and that is a dream come true for Nigeria. Um, we haven't really heard about this little plot line. Maybe it's still happening. I don't know. Maybe there's still time. There's what, 50 more episodes this season? Probably. <laughs> Willow is excited to showcase a wacky character, and she is ready for another win. And Willow and Daya have decided that they are going to play blonde bimbos, naturally. Daya does not want to be safe this challenge. She wants the judges to notice her. The, the two of them work on their lines and play with line readings, and their sisterly fun is actually working out. We haven't really seen these two together, but they're they're a good combo. I, and at that moment, that's when I truly recognize that Willow brings up the good in everybody. And yeah. like from that, like from me knowing Willow all the way back to Denver, like it is so true. Like she just like, she's so easy to work with. She's so wonderful. And like every, every time that she's partnered with somebody else, they, that other person just shines. Yeah. And it's, it's apparent that it happens, especially with diet. It's nice to see diet in this positive light too, because Absolutely. she's been digging herself into a hole in terms of being the Janet this season. Absolutely. Bosco is in one scene and she is a Joan Collins character as told by Fancy as sung by Reba. We live, love the reference. She is confident as she knows how the character needs to play. She will give herself the Reba wig and will be searching for that Reba wig, uh, but also the Reba lip. She's going to do that as well. well the lip I, was it was perfect. I can't wait to find out where that wig originated from because that was definitely not hers. I want to know who brought that. <laughs> Next, we watch Carrie, Deja, and Georges run their lines, and they are feeling the fantasy. They are being dramatic and crazy and getting slap happy. Deja suggests that they try it off book, and it's Deja who drops the first line. Uh, she's whelming. She's there. That's how I feel about Deja Sky. That is a good way to put her. Like, and I think that it really gets solidified when you look at her runway, is that it's just like whelming. 
like yeah. it might not have been the I actually think George is really she looked good, but there was no stirrups. Yeah. No chaps. There were no chaps. But yeah. we'll talk about that later. Yes, whelming is a great way to Deja's biggest concern is memorizing the lines, and she's got a big load. Uh, her brain is just very ADHD. But George just comes in and has something to say and drops her line, too. She just needs a break in this challenge. She knows what she has to do to speak, and she's just awful at it. She's really bad at it. It's time to shoot with Rue, and as Angeria says, Michelle and Carson are one thing, but RuPaul is an entirely different ballgame, most likely because she needs her cheat sheet so she can remember all their names. Facts are facts. So how many of them actually know who Joan Collins is? It sounded like only two of them spoke up, but um, more of them giving you that like that like knowing nod of like, yeah, I've, I, I know who she is. I've heard the name. She's that lady from the thing. Yeah, yeah. She's that lady. Um... I bet they all went back to their hotel room that night and Googled that shit or, or, or found something to find out who that lady was. But Ruth tells them that Joan Collins taught that acting isn't about feelings, it's about camera angles. Um, have you gotten to perform um, on, uh, on camera as an actor or before? Not yet. I really want to. Are you going to prescribe to the Joan Collins School of Acting? To where I'm figuring out that it's all about angles. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so our first scene, I, there it is. The first <laughs> scene is with the Davenports. We have Carrie Deja and George's. And Deja says fun is in an advantage here. Uh, Deja is so monotone and boring. And Rue is like, this is Florida. It's hot and humid, and I want a southern accent. So she tries, and Rue is like, you're ca from California, aren't you? It's not good. Now, Daya on the sideline notes that Deja goes back to speaking normal. What is happening? She is losing the accent. Accents are hard, but I gotta say, the easiest accent for an American to do is the southern accent. I would agree with you. It's just easy, because you can make fun of it, especially when you're doing a campy scene like this. It's true. Uh, we okay. know that Americans can't do Italian accents, though, and I saw that from House of Gucci recently. Oh, so your team, she didn't deserve the Oscar nom. You froze. Come back. Um, are, 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 are your team, Gaga, didn't deserve the Oscar nom? Um, actually, I, like, if the movie wasn't as chaotic as it was, I think that she, like, I think she... I think she did. I wouldn't have been surprised if she got the nom. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm like right in the middle. I mean, like the movie itself, like if Jared Leto would have like brought it down and not made his version of a camp, you know, like in like Network Gaga was, I think that it would have been like easier as a whole movie. But yeah. that being said, like it, there was, it was tragic. Like, I think that there was so much potential and I honestly just wish that it was made by Italians because it would have been so much better. Yeah, Ridley Scott is maybe not the best person for that kind of film. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. Well, speaking of things that are maybe not be the best, Carrie, she's going to drag out her accent. And Rue is like, there has to be very breathy. And whatever she did, Rue loved. I'm like, that was terrible. What are you, what are you liking about her? That wasn't good. I think it was because Rue knew what was going to come into it later. And that's why 
Because I was like, this was not a good blind reading. And then I was like, oh, wait, with the farts coming in, it is kind of funny. Yeah, it was just, it was so good. Now, Georges goes through the door, and it's time for Georges to attend the Joan Collins School of Acting, and she is serving face after face. Rue gives her direction, and it's kind of funny. She's telling her mama's telenovelas, and George is feeling like she's doing better than the other girls. And for once, I'm like, actually, George is showing personality. She, she's letting loose. Surprisingly. Now, next up, we have Jasmine, who is the spitting image of Alyssa Edwards, and Angeria, who has the accent down pat because, well, it's hers. <laughs> it's hers. You are correct. <laughs> yep, it sure is. Now, Angeria and Jasmine are doing a piss poor job until Rue is like, try some different things. Rue is like, give us juicy gossip with that southern accent. And Jasmine, that accent was wild. It might actually have been offensive. Like, she's not even in on how hard it was. It was crazy. As Bosco puts it, Jasmine is somehow so fucking terrible at acting that it has turned itself around and it's her favorite thing she has ever seen. Sound familiar, Alyssa Edwards? It's true. It's, it's so true. true. All right. It is time to meet Daya and Willow's characters, and they are Blondashians. They're um, so good. Willow has a tiny purse and I live. Clearly, she borrowed that from Miss uh, Olivia Lux from last season. Now, Rue loves the Michaels girls and suggests that perhaps that Willow may get a daytime Emmy. Did you note Daya's face when she said that? She's like, ooh, are you fucking kidding me? What else do I have to do? And Rue tells Daya she loves her voice as it is very, very trashy. But now we get the entrance of all entrances. Bosco's turn to show us Reba and um, Nicole and Oscopy is like, that's who I was going to do for Snatch Game, you fucking bitch. That's exactly... I mean, I think she still can. She can, because we haven't actually got Reba, but I was like, oh, that's like actually what I've seen Nicole paint that face before. Um, oh, yes. Spot on. Um, um, I was vindicated that if I end up auditioning again, and Lupin at least knows one of the people that I've been considering creating an actor. Oh, good. She oh, said good. it last episode. So good. Um, she does her entrance, and Rue's like, no, it's Dynasty. Leave your hat on and slowly lift up to reveal who you are and then say your line. And I'm so glad that she gave that feedback. It was perfect yeah. when she ended up doing it. And then the gag of the gig is that Deandra and Diesel, who Deandra really wants to marry, are brother and sister. I know, incest. Hey, it's Florida. What do you expect? Not surprised. Now we have Lady Camden screaming Maxine, and it has become a meme already. Uh, Camden does brilliantly. She is camping and over the top, and that is what we call soap acting. Mm-hmm. We now get to watch Angeria bomb, and that's been very rare on this show this season. We have not seen her do poorly. We have not. Well, the filming ends, and Angeria is hoping it's not as bad as she's thinking it is. It is an off week for her. It's time to fa- paint the face. It's elimination day. They are going to see how Daytona wins turns out for the first time. Carrie is excited to see the playback, and Angeria is just not feeling the best. She was very quiet the day before, and she is never quiet. She had a lot of emotions. Willow notes that Angie has been doing so well and hopes that she doesn't crack under pressure. She notes that Angeria struggles with thinking about the worst-case scenario, and I'm like, me too. That's what I do all the time. Yeah, absolutely. 
Daya asks Georges, has she forgiven her yet? Daya is obsessed with her, but at the same time, it's a competition. So Georges doesn't even answer the question before Daya is like still monologuing. I was like, do you want the answer or you just want to hear yourself talk? Daya is not, it, like you said it before, I said it last week on the podcast. This is the janification of Daya Betty. Like they are making her look terrible. Well, right. And then what's even worse is that, like, they <laughs> diet cuts themselves off um, because the way that they're editing them, they're, they're monologuing in the show and they're monologuing in the, um, in the like, confessionals. <laughs> and it's just like, how much time are we going to fucking give to diabetic on the screen? Yep, it's true. And, like, she's also becoming a narrator. So, like, it's interesting. I had her peg to go off a lot sooner than later, but I think yeah. she'll be a solid, like, maybe top half, maybe, like, the bottom of the top half. We'll see yeah, we'll see. It's, it's definitely interesting. Bosco says, being in a competition setting doesn't bring out the best of her personality. See what happens next, like asking Daya what happens if Georges is at the top and Daya is safe, and Daya will not sit on anything, and that is not what Bosco has heard about her. Uh, Daya will sit on anything to the bottom. The theme of this week's runway is chaps. Uh, so let's talk about it. They say it's a fun category and it's a drag essential. We'll obviously discuss each look, but are we running out of ideas? Chaps? Chaps. I see, like, the, one of the things that I have been discovering, like, a lot is that it really has been about the chaps because of Michelle Massage. Michelle yeah. Massage is being like, yeah. I'm sick and tired of seeing you in a, in a bodysuit in in a leotard. So like, what is next? Okay, let's cover the legs. So let's add chaps. And so it's interesting to see what version of chaps people are doing. Um, and then I think like the ideal version of it is like really is George's look. I mean, like she looked gorgeous. It was an amazing thing, but like there were no chaps. There were no chaps. Like they're chapless chaps. Like that's exactly, isn't that what one of the characters, one of the judges said about it? Yep. And like, yes, it's a good look, but it doesn't mean that like she didn't follow the rules. She did not understand the assignment. Well, with chaps being brought up, we now get a conversation I didn't think we would ever have or hear on Drag Race. And well, I'm really curious how the not gays took this conversation, but Bosco, uh, think when she thinks of chaps, she thinks of leather daddy and fetish. So did anyone in the room have background with the leather community? Camden says that in San Francisco, it's basically uniform as there is Folsom. Camden has been to Folsom just to window shop. I was like, <laughs> bullshit, Vivian, bullshit. You were the pass around drag queen at Folsom, I'm sure, exactly. baby Camden. Oh, my God. As Bosco shares, Folsom Street Fair is an infamous kink festival. It's not corporate pride on TV. She says it's a crazy fever dream of bears and cubs and any other subspecies, gay subspecies, like pups. We love pups. Have you ever been to Folsom or Folsom East? I have not. And well, that may be the most shocking thing I will say about on this episode. I've never been. That's, see, I've never been to Folsom uh, because I started, like, I definitely... I, I, I'm working my way into recognizing that I am a part of the cake community and the leather community. Uh -huh. And like, as I continue to get older, I will continue to like grow into that community more. Sure. Um, and so I'm sure Folsom will be there. And I'm definitely going to make Folsom East like a priority this time. 
just because I haven't been so focused on drag and like, um, but I, I, I absolutely plan on going. And I do love a good time at the Eagle. Absolutely. I've never been to the Eagle either. Crazy. I know. I know. What? People, people are like, what? They're going to change that. I know. Do you I, have leather? Me... Yes. Um, <laughs> it needs to be fixed. The fucking button broke, and I never brought it back to Purple Passion. And then, yeah, it's a whole long story. Um, but yeah, I've never been. Daya notes that for some people, showing up to an event with people in thongs and chaps might be difficult, but Bosco notes that we don't even bat an eye at it. It's the truth. At this point in time, if I see um, a photo of someone at the queue in a harness, I'm like, yeah, have a fun time. Good job. Cool. Cute. And I love it. Yeah. Camden says that Folsom is a place where people can go and explore their sexuality and be part of the community without judgment. And now Angeria is like, wait, another week. I hadn't heard of this thing neither. Daya explains that this at this fair, there's literally people having full-on sex. At the fair, and now Angeria wants to go to the fair. I think she's going to be very confused. And I hope Folsom books her. She should be the headliner because she just needs to experience it. It would be so iconic if that actually actually would be the episode. But I think that it might. Like, I would not be surprised. Bosco says there is always a family-friendly version of Pride, but she doesn't think that every gay space needs to be family-friendly. Is she right? Um, yes, I fully 100% agree with that because I think that like there's this version of like I think I think that kink is definitely a part of you know pride in terms of like you shouldn't be shamed for having certain things that you are a fan of like sure. ropes and leather and harnesses and puppies and stuff like that and while you may not necessarily be like one of them there's no you shouldn't you shouldn't be shamed for it right yeah uh, shaming so is I, not cute it's not cute at all and so i i agree i think that all portions of pride should not always have to be family friendly yeah. and I, I mean i think there is still always going to be that discussion does kink need to be at pride well yes and no i i can i can understand it like i know yeah. as someone who happens to be kinky like seeing the 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 um the porn hub flow a couple years ago i'm like did we really need that followed by like the pops i'm like did we need that but then i'm like yeah we do because it's part yeah. of it it's and true and we're, it's we're, good we're, marketing for their camp yeah. because they're going and for their people and we're, when it comes to Folsom, that's the the other part of the kink and we do more there um so it's fine <laughs> Tip. Yeah. I find it really interesting that this episode and Untongs have become two of the highest rated episodes in franchise history. And this is part of the conversation that came up. It's kind of crazy. And I really want to know how the people who are not in the gay community, more so wow. the allies or the f- parents of, of the kids who are watching it, how they uh, took this and understood this conversation. Because exactly what they spoke about is why it was spoken about. So very curious. I'm excited to find out. During my watch party, I said on the microphone, as it was happening, that I am nervous that it's going to cause, like, looky-losing people to go to Folsom. And, like... (laughs) At the end of the day, if it causes those lucky loose to be able to discover that they are indeed kinky and they love that, that's great. But there's also like the negative aspect of like the people that are gonna like point and 
make things more difficult than it needs to be. Because like Folsom Street East is like always, it's not like a hush-hush thing in the gay community, but like the fact that it hit a national television, it's just like, oh, right. what's going to happen? It's, it's really interesting because this is also the week where um, in the UK, on um, Saturday Night Takeaway, hosted by Ant and Deck, they had the three winners of Drag Race UK perform with them. And Ant and Deck, two very famously straight men, biggest TV presenters in the UK, both got in drag. And people were furious. How dare they do that on a family-friendly show? Well, it, at the same token, um, there have been reports saying that it was the most important thing that has happened because gay people saw these two straight men do it and do it beautifully and not make fun of it yeah so it's it's really a very interesting topic um i i'm I'm almost at the point right now where i'm like i'm gonna make Folsom, florida and do it right out of ron uh desantis's house um with all the bullshit happening down there like we we just can't censor it anymore we can't censor these conversations and the more we try to the more pushback you're gonna get and florida you're gonna get fucked soon so good luck Quite literally. All right. Speaking of weird, kinky things, Maddie Morphosis. Let's talk about Maddie Morphosis. The girls all miss Maddie. Um, so did Jasmine kiss and make up? Well, Jasmine said that he, yes, that's the pronoun she used. Um, we'll talk about why I think that was an interesting choice later on. Um, that Maddie did write a really sweet note for her saying, I ain't mad at you. You did what you had to do. Also, I expect you to show a little country girl around the Big Apple. Really, really sweet. We all know that didn't happen as last week she was in the Big Apple for the first time. She was not escorted by Jasmine, but she was around um, uh, uh, June and um, Alyssa Hunter because they did a show in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. They had a show at the $3 bill. And Orion was there, maybe? I don't know. I couldn't find any proof. (laughs) She was high. All right. Diaset tells her that she'll be able to talk to her next week when she gets sent home, which is Shade. And Jasmine shows that she cannot really do Shade well as she starts to get very personal in this exchange. She says that she's very confident and that's how she's been all the other three weeks and look where it's gotten her. And Daya will say, at least she's been safe and not in the bottom. So Jasmine is like, at least I don't get compared to my drag mother. Are they really doing friendly reads or, or is there animosity between the two of them? I think that there might be an impossibility between them. Jasmine really takes things personally. And and when she fights back, she will hit you. Mm -hmm. And also, with you know, Jasmine's uh, drag mother, Mansi Mandel, like, things are taken personally as well. And so, Uh like, like mother, like daughter. And I totally understand. Like, I I take personally. I take things personally, too. I believe it just makes sense. But, like, it's... um, I I get where she's coming from. And also sometimes I'm just tired of diet talking. That's fair. All right, it is runway time and Rue is not wearing chaps, but a very beautiful coral gown. I live. I liked it. It was very pretty on her. We have Michelle. We got Michelle Ross and T.S. Madison and category is chaps on the runway. So in honor of this runway, we are going to play chap full or chapless. All right. We are starting off with Willow Pill. Look by Evelyn Evermore. Wig by Wigs by Atlas. 3D printed arms, glasses, and earrings by D. Whitcomb. 
So she's going for the atomic wedgie. This really was a very kinky episode, wasn't it? Um, I think the idea is really fun, executed in a very whimsical way. It did take me a second to see it as hands that are giving her a wedgie, as they are the same material as her actual look. I would have loved a varying latex color. The shape of this is so perfect. She is very petite. It's smart. It's different. And that's what makes Willow so special. Yep, it is. Um, I just recognized that she was giving her a wedgie. I don't think that yep. I heard that on the runway. Yep, she's doing the atomic wedgie. Yep, that's insane. Um, it's such a good look. And I know Evelyn, and it's really exciting to see her looks like be on the runway. And I think that it's really clever in terms of having the long hair and the way yeah. that it's presented. It's Absolutely. Michelle says her performance was adorable. Her one note was that she was basically Moira Rose, and it could be a really, really good Snatch Game character for her. I don't think it was Moira Rose. I understand the inflection was, but there are actually people who talk like that, so... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Catherine O'Hara had to get it from somewhere. It's true. She sure did. Ross understands that Michelle is what Michelle is saying, but he didn't mind it so much. He loved the outfit because it was really next level silly, but also fashion. TS thought the hands in her hair were her offering her her weave, and Rue calls her a superstar. Everything she does gets gets to something extra special. All right, I'm going to give it a chat full. A chat full? I'm going to give it a chat full too. Audience. 100% chapful. Okay. Next up, Bosco. Look by Culty Luxury Leather Lifestyle. By far my favorite Bosco look all season. I love how it's pink and still naughty and kinky. It's given off 70s disco vibes while also being 2000s trash. It fits the brief while also being super unique. It is the most beautiful thing she has been wearing all season long. I couldn't agree more with you. When she came out and she like she was all of the decades all at once and it was everything. Yeah. And the color combination was amazing. Loved it. Ross says when you take the role at the end, it's a risk, but she came in and nailed it. He knew who she was from the action until Rue said, cut the cheese. Tia says the look is gorgeous, and Rue says she was wonderful in the soap opera. Rue asks her why she chose that role, and Bosco says she knew it was the Joan Collins moment. I'll give it a chapful. I agree, 100%. Audience was 98% chapful, 2% chapless. One person. Literally. Next up is Deja Sky. Uh, look by Deja. Hair by Orion Story. Did he, she leave the wig for her? Is that what we're here to assume? Totally left the wig. I, All right. I hate that each week I'm just not loving Deja Sky. I just don't quite grasp her perspective on drag. With this theme being so generic in the drag essential, this was her chance to do something bold and fun. Instead, she gave us a walk around look that isn't even that dazzling. She went for two tone blue, one being leopard print. The hair is the best we've seen her in, and it's not even hers. I just need her to wow me, and I need her to wow me fast. The season is going to be over, and she is going to be lost. I think one of the things about um, her specifically is that like this is very much what you expect from local drama, and yep. like especially when it comes to 
when it comes to like where she's from, she's from Fresno, right? So when now, I don't know Fresno to, drag. Maybe Fresno drag is really basic, but well, I well, I mean, it's kind of like that. Like I, I, I think, I think that's what it is. Is that like she's might be stuck in this idea of like it's elevated for Fresno, it's elevated sure. for that. Similar when it comes to Orion's story, like right. that that polka dot atrocity that she walked out of the runway in, like that was elevated for Michigan. But like, is it elevated for RuPaul's Drag Race? What's so crazy is like you all watch the show, you know what people are bringing. Do better. Yeah. But what, what for do me, you think would have made this outfit better for her? A different color story? No, just a, not a walk around look. It looks incredible. If I see her at a club wearing this, she's going to get all the praise, and, and that's deserved. Not on Drag Race, especially in this category. You have someone sense. like Willow, you have someone like Bosco. I mean, even Carrie, they did something different to the chap to make it feel different. This is right. a typical drag look. If she, if you told me she did not make this look and this was already in her closet and just pulled it for the show, I would believe you. Absolutely. And that's what, what where I'm missing the Deja on the season is maybe I'm not saying you have to have a collaborator all the time but you're doing, let's say, 14 looks for the season, maybe you have two or three people design looks for you. Because maybe you're a great seamstress, but you're not a great designer. It's a chap list for me. It's if a I saw this at a club, it would be a chap full. But yeah. on Drag Race Runway, it's a The audience, 34% chap full, 66% chap list. All right, next up, Carrie Colby, hair by crisscross wigs, hat by Sarah Sokol Millinery, chaps by Manfredonia. I like this. It is what I expected. We've seen hair done before, hair done this way before, possibly even with chaps, but she makes it look refreshing. The braids are brilliant. I love it. I wish it was a slightly smaller, only because she had to carry them, and it's like I don't want to see carry them. Just let 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 them live. Um, I love the hat. Natural colors on her are breathtaking. Again, I just need to be wowed by Carrie soon before there are a few queens left that just blow past her and she's just lost in the wind. Mm -hmm. I definitely understand that. Uh, she's from Chicago, right? No, she's from LA. Oh yeah, she is from LA. She's the Colby's. Um, I, I mean, I love her. Like, I like especially during the untoxic, like, just the way that she like received and didn't make it about her. Like, it was really amazing. Um, I got a lot of like lemonade kind of vibes from this book. Um, mm -hmm. and, like Beyonce, and yeah. I really loved it. And I think that she slayed it. I'll go to chapel. Agreed, chapel. Audience, not so fond of it. 55% chap full, 45% chap less. I was surprised there. All right, next up, we got Georges, hair by Edward Scissorhands, look by Unique. Yes, they are technically not chaps. Um, yes, she is gorgeous. Fine, I'm a bit biased. I think she looks stunning. But that tiny body can do no wrong. She's able to bring you a different, um, diverse portfolio of looks while still being so petite and a dancer. But it wasn't what the category was. Yeah. Ross says that they were chapless chaps. T.S. wants them in 4X. Michelle assumes she grew up around telenovelas and says the timing was great. She thinks she could have gone further, but what she did made her laugh. 
I'm biased. I'll give her a chapful. Okay. What are the audience? The audience, the audience 47% chapful, 53% chapless. So very mixed. All right, next up, Angeria Paris Van Michaels. No designers listed. It is disco realness. I'm obsessed with it simply because it's new for her on the show. It's basic and ex- very much an expected walk around look, but I love seeing her do straight human hair. It looks great on her. This mm-hmm. was a week that could have been dangerous for her. So thankfully, Rue gave a twist with no bottoms, but I just needed her to stone the nude mesh. Um, and then she would really be sparkling. And I'm excited to see. Uh, her wow us once again after she had a little bad week. Yes. Okay, I definitely agree with that. But see, like, I think that what we were talking about with Deja earlier is that, like, this is above and beyond, right? Like, it Correct. is super extra pronounced that, you know, like, it would be great at a club, but it's also good for a Absolutely. Also, Ross made a Jeffrey Boyer Chapman joke during the runway, and I'm like, this man doesn't need the press. Don't, haven't we canceled him? We don't like him on the drag race. <laughs> I'm going to give her a chop full. Agreed. Audience, 64% chop full, 36% chop list. Next, we have Jasmine Kennedy, look by David Dalrymple, hair by Anthony Michael Wiggs. It was a very big untucked for her, but we ain't there yet, so I don't need to be kind. This was a miss. This was a walk-around look that she added a tiny element to and just did not work. If she wanted to do an entire graduation reveal, then give us a full freaking graduation gown. Rip it off. Show us the chaps. But this felt like very well something she would wear to work, doing a very basic chap. Look as a dancer. This will not cut it for me. Right. Um, one of the things that's been interesting about, I mean, and I think that we really hint at it, looking at this episode specifically in that, like, she easily could have, like, just ripped off the front hill and it would have been the same thing. Like, there's things that she could have done. Um, also, it's very interesting, like, a lot of her looks, even in the ones that she was making, you know, like, shows the breasts, but, like, I wish that there was either a pasty that covers the nipples, or there's a clearly it's like it's weird seeing it as is and it was weird last episode too when yeah. there wasn't anything that was covering and so like Absolutely. i just hope that I, I i like it but i i like the chaps like the chaps in itself the yellow like those were incredible yeah seriously yeah i mean but, again if it, it, it just felt like there was an added element to make it runway ready and it just didn't work and and, the, and also how dare you have a graduation cap and not write anything on the top of it and like do that okay. at the very end like yeah that is a clear wild miss. yep Ruth says the outfit is stupid, really ridiculous. Michelle says her version of a southern accent was bad. Ross says that when you embrace that level of stupidity and ridiculousness, it absolutely works. He says it was a work of fart. Chapless for me, not a good look. Chapless. Not here for it. The audience, twenty-five percent. So I know, right? Audience was twenty-five percent chapful, seventy-five percent chapless. They were not here for it. Next up, Lady Camden. Choker by her mom. Look by Lady Hyde. Lady Camden did that. First off, we must talk about the full fall reveal. Brilliant. Let's not forget about Miss Farida Kant of Drag Race Italia. She did an oopsie reveal when she spilled wine on her dress only to reveal that she was a vampire. So this is not the first time we've seen this kind of mistake reveal. 
That being but said, first, first off, who, who, Farida's? Yeah, Farida's, like, when she did it, it was like, uh, like, you could tell that she purposefully spelled. Like, it was an oopsie, but, like, it was a... It was still shocking. Oh, it, was, it was like, what the hell just happened? Right. But for me, first off, any Queen yeah. reference is the way to my heart. She went from Brian May to Freddie Mercury, and I live. If you're a Queen fan, you know what that reference is. I get it. I see the reference. I get the reference. I adore the reference. This is the week that Camden not only made a claim as to why she can win, it's why she should win. Yeah, that's bold, but I agree with I'm you. I'm bold here. I, I think she was fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to... I think she will fully win this season. And as we find out later, she won. Or she won the episode. Well, Ross says it was a fun runway and loves to reveal that he doesn't even know what's happening. He called it so exciting. Rue loves the outfit, loves Freddie Mercury, and loves the theatrics that she pulled. She says that the conviction was complete and well done. TS screams Maxine. She says she did an excellent job and says she pulls it out and makes her feel it. Michelle says the performance was heightened but believable. Chapful, chapful, chapful. Chapful, chapful, chapful. The audience. The audience. 98% chapel, 2% chapless, you motherfuckers. I don't know who that you are, but one hater. You know what? So one or two. And finally, we got Diabetti. Look by Christy Gigi. Uh, that's Gigi Good's mom. What a great week for Dia. The look is amazing. I love that she is giving you her own person perspective while still doing something accessible. I would have loved the top to have been a bit, a bit sluttier. But I think it's a dynamic color story for her, and she used her proportions well. Finally, yeah, and that's one thing that I'm looking at right now is like specifically her choice to cover the shoes. It it kind of looks awkward now that I look at it. Sure, you don't see the platforms at all. It's just like an awkward like presence, and I think that like this look definitely could have handled a black on the bottom to be able to finish it looks like the bottom just aren't him but that being said i think that it's phenomenal i was i was so odd when it came down the runway and it was like oh my god finally like this is she's separating herself a little bit from crystal method but is it soon enough that's fair ross says she nailed it michelle says she commanded the camera she came in with intention and delivered she says the look is gorgeous with the boot cut boot flare and calls it fashion and drag Tia says her lip screams prostitute. She did a really good job. Ruth says perfection on the runway. And in the challenge, she was so, so good that this is the week she showed up. Daya says she knows she's been lost the past few weeks, but she is so happy she can show who she is now. And she can do it. It's a chat full for me. I agree. Audience when 70... Dias... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Audience 70 what? Audience was 77%. Chat list, 24%. Interesting. Interesting. Um, no, what I was saying is that um, the what was the person on um, the person that was on Drag Race Canada this most recent season who always did the like long pageant answers whenever they started talking to Gia oh, Metric. Geometric. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to geometric, I like I was like, oh no. Don't become Jan and Geometric in the same season. Ooh, that would, no, like, that's, that's oh, not God, good. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, right, well, she almost got there this season. 
she was she was close. Well, Rue tells the girls that she was watching the dailies of Daytona wins and says that there was something missing. She couldn't put her finger on it. Then without warning, poof, there it was. So she's excited to share the official director's cut of Daytona Wind. Are you ready to go through this this little skit? So ridiculous. So the filming is very old school 80s, or as I like to call it, season one filter. Mm-hmm. The O'Hara's house has photos of Raja and Eureka. Then we see Deja, who is boring as all hell, doing Chekhov, and Carrie showing up being whiny Carrie. And then when Deja has her line, smell the magnolias, we get a cut, a literal whip. Yes, a fart. A fart that has been inserted. And we see Deja watching utterly confused. We've never really seen the queens really watch the final cut. But oh boy, the reaction shots when they and I realize oh wind means fart this is all one big fart joke and this is why drag race will win another emmy award stupid so stupid i loved it this was camp this is why drag race can be funny and good i i loved it i i wanted to be upset i did but then like it just kept going it got and better then, and then you know that like Rue specifically directed them to be able to give that moment. Yeah. And like, if it didn't have the parts, the moment would have made sense. But they followed the direction enough to be able to make it actually very successful. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked. Okay. Now, Carrie Colby realizing that they made her fart on camera and her telling us that we know she don't fart. Priceless. Absolutely priceless. The writing being all fart jokes and the girls giving full conviction, not knowing what they got themselves into... I'm obsessed. That's a trick that I would pull on people. I would fully do that. I love that Rue was so tickled watching this that she literally had to fan herself. She could not even control herself watching this. Next, it's Jasmine entrance and both TS and Michelle were literally about to bust themselves open with that accent. It was so outrageous. Out of control. Now, the farts are getting to the girls so much that Lady Camden is literally losing her mustache. She was going to fall off. But Lady Camden was utterly perfect. She is a brilliant camp actress. Um, And Jerry, I feel like, needed to amp up her acting skills, though the farts did help her a little bit. Um, So she's lucky there was um, some extra work on her end. Now, T.S. Madison was on set um, to film as the wedding aficionator. We didn't know that. We didn't know that. I mean, why not get her to do extra work for minimal money? She's on the WoW Presents payroll for that show she did. That's true. But also, um, (laughs) the tea that's coming out about Tajik Paul from all the things that he's been saying about minimal money. It's been intense. And so it's just timing. Oh, okay. We're going to have to hear about that later. But um, the entrance of the Michaels, brilliant. The height differences going from Daya to Willow to Georges was absolutely everything to me. So good. Daya and Willow were brilliant. They really did a great job. I agree. They took but that Deja, small part and really made it something. Absolutely. Deja was just so bad. It was it was so bad. By the la- last scene, she didn't even have an accent anymore. And then Bosco's entrance. Everything. The fart. I hate it. I hated it so much. It was disgusting, but hilarious. Now, do we know? Have you heard anything about this wig? Where do we think this wig came from? I don't know. 
if there's anything that part of me thinks that the wig might have come from Nigeria, just because you know that Nigeria is the kind of like gal that would have a pussycat, like uh-huh. like like uh-huh. Monet would have had it, right? And when you look at the rest of the cast and like think about things that they worn, like, I don't know. Yeah, I want to know. Someone got to tell me. I need to find out. I need it. It did not match really with the, the 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 look, but again, I understand what she was going for. So it all came together in a campy way. Um, the reveal that they were siblings was soapy goodness, followed by Lady Camden screaming, Maxine, obsessed. We love lesbian love. I do Dude. hope that there is a sequel to the, the Daytona Wind. Yeah, I think that it would be amazing. I hope they turn it into a web series and I hope they invite the rest of the eliminated queens to be a part of it. Do you think that would actually happen? With the reception that it's gotten, I would not be surprised if WoW's like, we found something, it finally worked, let's do it! Yeah, and they made it work with their soundstage, so I would Exactly. Yeah, I would love that. I'm going to say it right now, if this happens to go further, it'll be proof, but this was one of the best, if not the best, asking challenge in Drag Race history. I agree. And like, there's not like, when I look back at challenges that I really love that stands out, like the only other one that I can think of is the, um, is when on, on season eight with Sasha Pavor and nine season nine yeah it's that one when they put the newscaster episode yeah mm-hmm. and Very good. yeah i think that's the last one that i can think of that was as good if not like this one was better this was so strong um and i think it's because the writing and they weren't they, they were just doing a generalized parody of soap operas as opposed to like a specific show that they were trying to nail because it was so open-ended and there wasn't specifics to it it allowed for the queens to give their own freedom to their parts and make it their own in, in ways like even like all-star six, when they had the um, American horror story, it was fine, but we, they were trying to do something specific and they just couldn't get there here. They got to mold it themselves. I hope we continue moving this direction. I really, really, really do. Rose decided that Deja, Carrie and Angeria are safe. They are shocked because they thought they were the bottoms. Rue then says the winds have changed as the other six are the tops of the week. No bottoms, which just sounds like a nightmare for me. Were you surprised by this um, revelation? Do you think this was planned or was the, sh- the, the scene that good? I think that it was planned because of cornbread um, exiting earlier and they chose to... And I think that they chose to like keep the right running order because they think that there are more intense things that are about to happen this season. Um, but I think that Cornbread leaving and still deciding to eliminate somebody that same episode opened it for this to be able to happen. Absolutely. Georges, Jasmine, Bosco, and Willow are safe, meaning the top two queens that will lip sync for the win are Lady Camden and Diabetti. Do you agree? Who else was safe? George, Jasmine, Bosco, Willow. I think that Bosco could have been in the top mm-hmm. over Daya. But yeah. I think that Daya's like voice and character like really was good. 
Like it was like and her and her runway was her runway just edged out uh, Bosco in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think that Bosco is the only other person that could have been at the top one, but I think that Daya kind of deserved it, and I think that she got her, she got, she was seen. Yep. The song for the win is Blondie's One Way or Another. What an excellent song. This is drag. Full drag. So drag. And it's so interesting the way that they watched it. Like, the reason why Lady Camden won is because she was just so authentic and she was camp and she like connected with the song in different ways yep. and you know like Daya was doing it what you would expect to see on the Hamburger Mary stage yep like, Daya is not a sun queen but Camden is bringing out her dancing she is just so captivating she did a mustache reveal stupid this week was a great week for lip syncs. I will say right now that both this song and We Like to Party will be at the year-end wrap-up nominees. They will both be nominated for Best Lip Sync of the Year. This great week, great week. I'm here for it. Y'all, watch out for Lady Camden. She is on a super streak. She is the winner, and I love her. I love her drag. I am so excited by this trajectory. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to discuss Untucked? Yes. All right. The save queens head backstage and they are barely holding on. They were literally saved by the gas. Deja gets into full Uncle Fester mode, and I'm like, oh, you're funny. This you it's fine. You're silly. But she says that in the moment they were all in their heads, but watching the final product, it all came together. Angeria can't figure out who is in the bottom, and they wonder if they were all tops. They all think the majority did well. Angeria really thought she did awful and feels the pressure for being in the top up until this point she knows the judges are expecting a certain level and jokes that she liked it better when they didn't have expectations for her yeah that that, that that's all of us all the time very real and jerry says that she appreciates jasmine for helping her get out of her head we're going to get an untucked exclusive clip where we watch angeria mess up lines and jasmine tells her to have fun and have faith who would have thought jasmine was growing up before her eyes good for her Good for her. Good for her. All right. Kerry um, is not expecting to be safe. Um, Expecting to be dominating. She expected to dominate the scene, but she thinks the judges want her to come out of what she normally does. She will admit that if you are pretty, you are worshipped, but it developed a false sense of confidence. And in terms of drag, she is new. I'm glad she said that. Because there are a lot of pretty girls who get pretty passes who can't admit that that's the truth. I agree. So I feel like saying that on camera, it's kind of a big step. And I hope Mm -hmm. that will allow some of, you know, the other pretty girls in the world to understand you do have some free passes. You are able to wear nothing on the runway because you are a skinny pretty girl and that some bigger queens cannot get away with that. So you should be aware of it. It's out there. Now the tops return. Safe girls are like, what did you do? What happened? And they all reveal that they were tops. And Jerry is real and says she would have placed herself at the bottom, so she was in the bottom. George is like, yeah, I would have been like, you're in the bottom, but what the fuck? It's fine. Now Daya reveals that Rue said she impressed the fuck out of her and she was high fashion. She was so happy. Michelle almost made her cry. Bosco is taking a round trip destination to her feelings. She is feeling the comp- comp- competitive votes. 
Georges was gagged about the top two with lip sync for the prize, but then tells Daya um, she's going to talk over her again. And Georges will tell us that Daya talks a lot. Do you know anyone who just talks a lot? On mic, and you're like, okay, well, you, you're, you're the Daya. You're the Daya. Sometimes I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well. Georges notes that she was struggling in the other acting challenges, and while they might have called her looks not chaps, they clearly liked them, and that's because she was born to do drag. Now, Carrie asked Lady Camden if she is ready to lip sync for her $5,000. Could this be the week she wins? And she's like, please don't say that, because every other time you say that, I lose. Um, I love that the queens are always on the wrong side of the judges of the season. Very much so. Jasmine is happy she was in a good acting challenge and she was not great in the last two. But Daya knows, yeah, we, you were. You were really bad. We were there. We, and I was like, these two, they, they, they are enemies and just don't get this rivalry. Maybe Daya just wants to be shorter. Being tall is hard, apparently. I wouldn't know. Apparently. Camden tells us that she was really nervous doing the reveal, but they all lived for it. Jasmine is happy she was good in an acting challenge. And she's feeling happy because she just doesn't think she's a funny person. And look what? Everyone's a little funny. Just like Alyssa Edwards. You don't know you're funny until you open your mouth. Sure. Daya wants to know who they for sure thought were tops. She's just a shit stirrer. She really is. Asia says Camden and Bosco and Daya's like, they just don't think I'm competition. Bitch, you knew you were not going to get the answer you wanted. You knew it. Bosco thinks it'll be Camden and Jasmine for the win. I'm like, Jasmine? Really? Okay. They all agree that this was the best acting challenge, and this was the show The show fucking with them. They all were not prepared for what was happening. Jasmine says that she is glad Angeria, Carrie, and Deja are safe as they have been her rock through the competition. Daya says that they have a maternal energy in different ways as they are all aunties. Angeria thanks Jasmine for helping her get herself together, and Jasmine says that Angeria coached her out of her head from the beginning. She shares that she is extremely attached to her mom and dad, and this is the longest that Angeria has not gone talking to them. And it's like, that's really cool and sweet, because we don't really know much about Angeria's backstory, do we? We don't. I think they're holding it out because she's going to be top four. Yeah, probably. Camden says that the necklace that she was uh, wearing was made by her mom when she was pregnant with her, and she hasn't seen her mom in two years. She hopes she gets lip sync because that was the music she listened to when she went through her divorce with her dad. Deja Ooh. says the pandemic made her open up her eyes to how horrible of a person she was to her mom. It made her see that she was pushing her away when she was doing nothing but her best. Deja refused to wake up, not feeling at the top of the world and not being able to share it with someone who means the world to her. I feel like the pandemic really tested all kinds of relationships, whether they were romantic or familiar um so hearing deja talk about it i wanted to hear more i want to know like how they were able to reconcile and what brought them to a place of seeing eye to eye and are, like did they did they reconcile before she left with the show or are they going to reconcile when she's back right yeah i mean i mean let's let's be honest covid really tested people and really opened up perspective of how quickly you could lose someone it really did i could agree more with that P.S. Madison sneaks on backstage to find out what they're talking about, but first, she wants to know where Deja's wig is at. I guess she's not a fan of people without wigs, so there's that. 
Tia says she was backstage hearing them all talk about their families and that she wanted to touch on how important it is for the LGBTQ family to have people really support us. She shares her story of how she was, she went out in the world, got involved in a lot of things that she didn't want to be involved with and then came back home scarred and it was how her relationship with her mom was mended. She shares that she wishes she didn't shut out her mom during her transition and how she wouldn't have been exposed to the harsh world, but she is here now. I don't really know T.S. Madison's backstory that well. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a big follow of her. Um, are you a bigger fan of her work and her I story? I, I mean, I haven't watched her work <laughs> per se, Fair. but I do know Fair. of her. But I definitely know of her. Um, and I... Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts that she frequents consistently. Like she's been on Ruse um, a lot. I don't even know if they still do theirs, but no, um, they do not. Um, they like I listened to them when they were on there, so I kind of like definitely became like well known of like this T.S. Madison is, and I and I do love her, and I think that it was it's cool for them to be there and kind of like have that open trans conversation because like. Carrie Colby is the first openly trans person that they cast on the show of just regular drag race, like not all stairs, not with anything, but, right? Colby. Well, I mean, you've she's, got Mick. Um, so the first uh, trans. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She's the first trans woman. Um, but it's it's huge. It's Absolutely. a big deal. T.S. asks what they are expecting from Drag Race, and Jasmine says she wants financial stability. She shares that COVID has fucked her over with finances, and she said she hadn't been able to put food on the table, so she's looking forward to being stable. You know what? I appreciate her being blunt and honest and, and having that as your answer. Yeah, fame is cool. Stability is where it's at. T.S. says God gave her the gift of drag and tells her to take the gifts and flip them around. She tells Georges that she is a fierce piece of puss. And T.S. leaves, and they are happy to have met her. Deja asks if anyone has thought about transitioning, and it is now time for the Emmy Awards to watch this episode and realize, okay, here's your hardware. Bosco shares she has, especially during the pandemic. She shares Bosco is something she uses to explore gender euphoria, and she had to go an entire year without her. She says she works in customer service and spends the entire day getting key hymned, it's not out of hate. They've known her for five seconds. Does she want to transition? She is happy being non-binary, but she wants to move the lever. She has a boyfriend who is in it with her. Do what makes you happy, he tells her. I thought that was really sweet to hear from her. Because again, we don't really, we, we hear the quips from Bosco. We hear the comedy from Bosco. We don't know much about her backstory. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the week before this episode, she did reveal that she has um, come out as trans. Um, so this wasn't the big shocker of the episode. Right. Jasmine says she doesn't know where she's at. She didn't know if she was going to talk about it before coming on coming to Drag Race. So she does reveal that she was about to start hormones. She was scared and didn't want to go through the process while doing Drag Race. She says seeing Carrie and seeing how confident she is with who she is affirmed that she's been feeling this her whole life. She feels like she is trans. She was so scared to say it. She breaks down and so does the room. Jasmine goes on to say that she held it back for so long because she didn't want to hurt her dad, but she can't lie about it anymore. She is trans. I mean, 
for someone on the show who we've been watching painted slightly as a villain or an antagonizer to see her have this moment this is raw and authentic and this is why we watch the show how how was it for you watching it in a room of people um, the people that I were watching, so I, my Drunkers Watch Party is at uh, Fulton Ale House, and it is this sports bar in Brooklyn, yeah. and I love it, and it's really interesting just, like, seeing it and watch it kind of happen and break down, and um, it was just me and, like, one of my friends that ended up staying and watching Untucked, but, like, it was cool to be able to have that conversation and to be able to watch it and see, but, um, like I'm also that shitster, and so while I was watching the episode, I was also watching Bosco reacting to Jasmine coming out right next to her. Like, I, I mean, it kind of stole her thunder, but uh-huh. like, it was really interesting to watch her face and see it happen, and also seeing how it happened now to where Bosco came out last week, and I was like, we're waiting for Jasmine to see when it's going to happen in it and it was it's just interesting to see how production works and just to see how like the timing and the choices and things that are made um but i like i really liked it like it it really was authentic because you can tell that jasmine's the kind of person that likes to keep things in and so the fact that it it came out it also exploded absolutely and um and it was interesting watching carrie as Jasmine was coming out as well, because she had nothing else but to take the love that she was being received. And I don't think she's been, I don't think that that has been something that she's used to in her life. I think that she's always, she can like write it off and be like, yes, thank you. I mean, this was, this was an opportunity for Carrie to realize the impact that she actually has made on someone maybe maybe people have looked up to her before or whatever but she actually helped someone without realizing she helped someone and that's mm-hmm. completely overwhelming and yeah she did get emotional she was crying and rightly so because th- this was an important moment for her and for the show and 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 i think they all sat there knowing this is going to be big for their for their season and how it's going to help people in the future Mm -hmm. it's going to be really interesting to see what ends up happening because like i still i don't think that i don't think that they're done with jasmine's villain edit and i think that it's going to still keep going so it's really interesting to see how it's going to continue to like move forward and they even talked about it in the teaser like there is a big fight in the teaser and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it happens. Now, I mean, that teaser could have been uh, two different fights combined to one. We've definitely seen that before. Um, nice. I mean, wa- watch next week bottom two be like Carrie and Jasmine, and you're like, after what they just did this week, are you really going to put them? In- oh, okay, producers. That, now we're back to reality TV. Yes. Um, but I, I, I really think that this was very, very important for the show and for Jasmine and for Bosco and for Carrie. Um, it's a shame that Cornbread wasn't there with them. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that would have been really beautiful to have, you know, the four trans girls together celebrating who they are. Uh, but yeah. that's what this was. This was a celebration of admitting that you're finally being able to be who you are and be free. Yeah. 
um i mean she is asked what it was like um saying the word i'm trans and jasmine feels happy you can feel the release you can see the release out of her um jasmine does say that at first her boyfriend didn't even know what a drag queen was and she would hide it because she was scared he wouldn't accept her but at the tipping point she was she told him and said it's not his place to judge but his place to be there for her and i was like Fuck the two of you having beautiful, amazing partners, and I'm still single, so screw y'all. I understand that one 100%. Like, like not bitter. Not bitter, Betty. Well, Jasmine says that Carrie is in the place that she wants to be. As she is so beautiful, it should come half of that. She will be half, if she becomes half that, she'll be happy with her life. Um, she says that after Drag Race, she's going to start therapy and hormones and be in the place she wants to be. And Carrie says that the energy that she needs hold in herself as she doesn't need to find that because the woman that she is housed in is within her. The strength to say it is the affirmation of who she is going to be. She tells her she knows what she needs to do. Go and get it as she owes it to herself to be happy. Mm-hmm. It was a very beautiful moment. And then I know it's TV production. A second later, the stage manager comes in and says it's time for the main stage. It's like, wow, way to ruin the moment. But I am fully convinced when this started, they brought Rue and Michelle over to one of the playback cameras to w- make them watch this. And um, they're like, we are going to bring all of them to the Emmys with us because this is, go- is going to win us another award. Um, I mean... I don't, I don't, what is crazy to me is this is reality TV. This is a raw, authentic moment. You're, you're watching, we're watching someone admit who they are. I want to know how the camera crew is reacting to this. I want to know how the producers reacting to it. If there weren't tears, I would be shocked. Like this, like I would not be shocked that after the main stage, like they shut down production for a second and said, "All right, let's all come together and like celebrate this," um, yeah. because you also can't keep this from Rue and Michelle. That would be terrible, right? Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. Keep it for them. Um, but this was a really. This is going to be one of those untucked episodes that's going to be talked about for years to come. Not because it of is. drama, not because of. Um, uh, shit stirring because of the raw moment that uh, a genuine human being had. It was beautiful. All right. No one went away, but we got the burning questions. I'm going to ask you, what do you think the impact, um, impact of this Untucked is going to be in the greater community? I think that it's, I mean, one of the things that we're discovering is that the pandemic has truly, really made people stop and look in the mirror and, you know, like figure out, figure out like who they are, what they want to be and how they're going to be able to express themselves. You know, like yep. I have in my own right, like I know that I want to be a bodybuilder. I know that I want to have the body that like I have wanted my entire life. And it gives me an opportunity to be able to go out and actively get it. And that's what I'm doing. And if it wasn't for the pandemic, you know, like that, arguably like wouldn't have happened or it wouldn't have happened in time. Like I got my weight loss surgery before the pandemic, but like I have fully made life altering decisions based off of things that I want for myself. And um, I think that what we're recognizing happening um, is that people are finally starting to be able to put themselves first, which is really, really empowering and really exciting 
for the entire world. And, you know, what's great about drag and specifically drag race is that it, it gives it such a platform for people to see and to watch and it makes people know that it's okay and to be celebrated, right? And like, we all remember when Mondo came out as being a person that had, you know, HIV and AIDS. And at that point when it did, it was massive and huge. And like, um, so it's, it's beautiful and awesome. And I think that people are gonna look back at it and just see the realness and the authenticity. And more important, it's not just about Jasmine's coming out, it's about, it's about seeing the reactions happen to her and the love exactly. that she was getting. And I think that's what's gonna stand out truly. Absolutely. And let's not forget, her story's not over. There's still more drag race to be had. Will this be the legacy or is something else going to happen? We'll find out soon. Oh, I think other things are happening. <laughs> All right, we are getting a 60s-inspired girl group challenge next week. Who are you worried about? Who am I worried about? I say Carrie um, Colby. I don't think that bitch can sing. Oh, oh, they're making them. Oh, they are making them sing. Oh. Georgia's I'm yeah. worried about. Jasmine I'm worried about. Uh, who sings in this cast? I don't even know. Yeah. Camden I mean, probably. Major, maybe Deja. I'm worried about Deja. Maybe that's the bottom four. Does Willow sing? <laughs> um, yes. Willow, I think Willow is going to shine in this, this one because she is, she's, she's kind of a little bit of like a decades queen as well. And so I think that her look that she'll end up pulling out and everything that happens for it will be awesome. I think that Willow will be safe, if not in top. Very cool. All right. After seven episodes, the winner of the season is Lady Camden. I, I'm quick with Lady Camden. This week was good. And the way that they showcased her, uh, she, she good. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to put her in the bottom at this point. She's she's very well-rounded. Like, again, with Angeria, she's still a contender. But yeah. I just think Lady Camden is special. I think the top... I, I think that the top four... Will be Bosco, Willow, Lady Camden, and Nigeria. I'm still not sure. I'm sold on Bosco quite yet, but at this point in time, Bosco's trajectory is showing me that she should go in that direction. Um, I would be happy with the Lady Camden win. I'd be happy with Nigeria win. I'd be happy with the Willow win. So that's where I'm. I'm, I'm sticking my um, my my picks in. But I think everyone else are um, um, going to be good potential all-stars in the future agreed oh totally agreed well where can we find you on social media venmo and any projects you want to plug yeah of course you can find me at uh xenon with a z on instagram it's z-e-n-o-n with a z and uh you can find me uh every monday i do jukebox bingo at rebar in chelsea uh, Tuesdays, I have Drag Me Bingo at Clinton Hall in Williamsburg. And Wednesdays, I have a new show called Glamorama, which is at Sunday Bar in Brooklyn on uh, Atlantic Avenue. And that show I'm very excited about because it gives me an opportunity finally to be able to book other entertainers uh, and lift them up and celebrate them because that doesn't, doesn't happen a lot in New York City. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this week, I have Foxy Bell at Freak and I have Crystal Hart from Brooklyn. Next week, I have Temple Grande and Quindy Foxwood. Uh, I have some amazing cast coming up. And then um, it looks like I might have a monthly spot at Come On Everybody for Queer Opry, which is really exciting. 
Um, Queer Ole Opry is a show that's dedicated and based off of what Dolly Parton's America would look like. And so um, we celebrate queerness and um, burlesque and we celebrate just the people in drag that should be lifted up and celebrated more. So um, this upcoming cast on this Saturday or this Sunday, at, come on everybody, we have Harriet Tugsman, we have uh, comic Justin Covington, uh, and uh, Chico Raro. It's just going to be such a fun show, and I can't wait for you guys to come and see it. Amazing. Well, friends, follow along. You'll see amazing projects, and it was so great having you on the show. Thanks for being here. It was great being here. Thank you for having me. The biggest thanks to Xenon for coming on. Subscribe on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk to show support for the show. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.